You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your son, Jesus, and it is through him that we are able to come to the cross and just glorify your good name. I ask that you just show us how to be fisher, fishers of men, and I just ask that um, you show us where to cast our nets and that we look to you for the deeper parts of our hearts, souls, and water. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so this is a class called Pop Cultural Christianity. And last week we talked about what the culture is preaching at us. And this week we're going to talk about what the culture is trying to teach us and how we can turn that around. And this is a part of a four-week series that we look at, like I said, preaching, teaching, and then next week will be liturgy and then worship. Uh, These classes work together, but they also are meant to stand alone. And so last week we talked about false gospels and the need to be mindful about how the culture sneaks into our pulpit. But this week, I want to shift the gaze into how we as a congregation perceive culture. And I want to look to the stories that we're selling, telling, and retelling, and how we as Christ followers can respond with the gospel. Because the gospel does change everything, and it absolutely can change how we relate to ourselves, culture, and God. So... Today's class, I'm going to be making a case for TV evangelism. Um, We're going to take that word back from the Word of Faith movement, which I learned about last week. Um, And again, this is not the only way to have a ministry of sharing the gospel, but since we all live in our own little monasteries at the rule of Hulu's, Netflix, and uh, Apple TV, I figure we can, you know, take what the culture is giving us and reinterpret it and tell them a new thing. And just to be clear, I'm not saying that we listen to Kanye's Jesus is King album over reading the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, nor am I saying we neglect the scriptures to watch garbage TV, but I am saying that we can use this for our good and his glory. Um, So yeah, and the reason we can do this is because culture is just our way of imagining what God's creation should be, but with us on the throne. And that's why it's constantly changing, it's rising, it's falling, and it goes sideways. And um, there are many theologians over the years, not just this Bravo TV-aholic, that says, um, you know, we can look into what movies we're listening to, or movies we're watching, music we're listening to, and the literary pursuits to see a deeper longing and a, you know, an echo for the truth. Um, And we can see this as a scriptural truth in the Acts of um, Paul when he's walking through the marketplace in Acts 17. Uh, Paul is walking through the marketplace and he teaches in the synagogues and churches as well. But as he's walking through, he sees a statue and that it says to an unknown God. And the Holy Spirit takes that upon Paul and says, you know, this is just really a love song to an unknown God and it is crying out for the real true one. And so that's what we're gonna look at today just uh, we want the real thing. So we're gonna direct our gaze, you know, and our cultures accordingly to recalibrate the narrative. Um, sorry, y'all. Uh, what is that show where there's like, there's one guy and there's a contest, like a parade of contestants that come before them and they introduce them this one and that one and then um, they settle on the final one? The Bachelor, yes. It's also called Genesis 2 with Adam and Eve. (laughs) God is the ultimate storyteller. He, before he shows Adam Eve, 
He shows us uh, the beast of prey, the birds in the air. He shows us a good story because we as humans love a good story. But I'm also not going to talk about The Bachelor because Mark Gillette is doing that with the Book of Esther. Um, that is the ancient Persian rendition of it. But um, for as long as we can imagine, we have loved a good story because our God is a storytelling God and a story-making God. And it's not enough to just show us how much he loves us. We've got to see it, feel it, and know it. Um, and all of scripture is this beautiful narration of God's creation, his goodness, our sin, and his mercy and love that's going to see us to the end. Um, hey, go. And he shows us his love through the arms of Jesus and that Jesus' arms on the cross. And when you look upon Christ, you know, you see the face of the Lord. And so we can always see God showing himself through creation and through culture. But culture, it is big. Oh, this is a beautiful um, drawing of what the Garden of Eden looked like. And I brought this one up because my son's a really big turkey hunter, as he tells himself. And there's a cute little turkey on the bottom. Uh, this is what culture is supposed to look like. But, um, does anyone know who this is? Church ladies. Church ladies. So, how do we balance between the big and bad, ugly culture and church? Um, you know, fear and pride motivates the church lady to close the doors and keep everything away. Um, and we don't want culture to be creeping into the pulpits, but we do want the culture in our pews. We do want them as our congregation. We don't want to keep them out. But in the same, you know, on the other side, like, how do we stop from being like, I'm, I'm a cool mom. You can watch whatever you want to watch. Um, you can do what you want to do if, as long as it's in our house. Again, the gospel. Um, so we can, and this is just to show that self-righteousness comes in many different forms. Saying your kids can't watch this, but they can do this. It's, you know, the gospel is what's going to bridge those two together. Um, I really liked this picture of the gospel. Has anyone seen this before? Yeah, I, um, I just think that's sweet because I'm a mom of a, an Eve. But, you know, Mike Casper, you've probably heard of him from the rise and fall of Mars Hill. He talks about when we do look at culture, you know, gospel kind of prepares us to see the sin in there. And we expect to hear it in the stories that we tell because we know, we know our hearts. Like we talked about last week, our hearts are garbage heaps um, at Bonnaroo festival. Um, so today I want to look at a pop cultural phenomenon that to see what the culture is telling us to consume and digest and how we can use scripture to consummate and consecrate it. And we are going to make a case study of the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Um, this is the most recent rendition of the Housewives franchise. And Y'all don't know, if you don't know the Housewives, you don't understand that there's 20 years worth worth of a multiverse. I mean, there are franchises all over the world, but it's all pretty much the same thing. But I like this one because it showcases their most intimate and private parts, and that's their spirituality. And no other franchise are they so open about what religion has done to them and how they've um, and how they've interacted with it. And it really is this humbling and haunting portrait of women trying to grapple with the pain of um, growing up in a church and being burned by it and cast out by the Mormon church. Yeah. Um, and so, um, and I, we're going to look at the taglines in a second if the internet works, fingers crossed. But um, 
you know, the other seasons crawled so that Jen Shaw right there could step out of her limo and open toad stiletto heels in the snow and walk. I mean, she comes out of that limo blazing in diamonds and fur, and she's already got taglines saying like, Shaw amazing. She, you like go to her house and she's already dubbed it the Shaw Chalet. And you obviously know it is rented just for the show. Like there is no way that that is her home. And you just realize and appreciate that Jen has done her homework and she understood the assignment. And so you're excited to take this all in, but as season two is about to come out, everyone starts to hear that Jen Shaw has been arrested for social security scamming the elderly on the internet. And you are just ready. <laughs> you're so ready to see how this unfolds. So you're watching this, um, the fall of the housewives in a delayed but real time. Um, and hopefully this is gonna work, y'all because this, this is a priceless gem. Okay, fingers crossed, y'all. Oh no. Wait, now we're gonna get it again. No, I think the Advent's like, you cannot play this. <laughs> this is not allowed. Grace abounds, but does it. <laughs> Romans 6 has a lot to say about that. All right, let's see. Um, that's not an onion <laughs> article. That is real life. That is someone's reality right there. Um, again, sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> but really, um, but just to go through the characters, you know, we've got Heather. She's an ex-Mormon who has followed every single Mormon law her whole life, every rule, and she wakes up in her mid-30s divorced, and she is she is figuring out how to navigate that landscape of your whole world is gone and you're having to build yourself back up. And without um, you know, a relationship with the Lord tethering her to, the, to reality, she just she goes haywire. And then you've got Lisa, the one who says, I love myself for the both of us. She is 100% honest in that. She is a, um, she has converted into Mormonism, but she owns a tequila company. Um, exactly. She is unable to apologize for her mistakes, and because of that, she can't admit to any of them, because then her whole world and her worldview of herself will just come crashing down. And then you've got Jen Shamazing. She's the one uh, third from the left. She was born in Tonga, but raised in Utah, and so she's always had this underdog, um, this underdog mentality and that she's always having to achieve more just to get to what other people have and um, where we find her when the season one opens is that she is slowly just unraveling and you really just don't understand why until season two um, but she is just so disillusioned and so disappointed that she has done everything she can to get this American Mormon gospel and she is suffering the consequences of her own actions 
And then you've got Mary, the Pentecostal preacher. I mean, I just, I can't with her. She's a mess. Right there. Um, she runs a church and, spoiler alert, it is a cult. But she is painfully honest when she says, you know, after I married my step-granddaddy, you heard me correct. She married her step-grandfather. She lost her friends and family. And she talks about how her only friends for the past 20 years is Alexander McQueen and Louis Vuitton. And she's hardly filmed with the other women. And she's seen just like roaming her empty home, but just like inside this cluttered closet just full of designer goods. But I'm not here to pick on them. I'm here to pick on y'all and myself. And so you are so fortunate that I have spent the last 20 years of my life gleaming these little little gems from that so we can <laughs> apply what reality TV is telling us that we want and that we need and that with this pursuit of happiness we will get and we're going to put scriptural truths on it. So um, with Real Housewives, we have always wanted what other people have. That is just from the beginning, and we see that in Exodus with the apple and the garden. We've always wanted what someone told us we can't have, and once we get it, it does not work out. Um, another truth from that is it's never enough. No matter what we get, no matter how we get it, and the ways that we get it, it's just never going to be what we think it's going to be. And um, here, I'll pull this back up so you can look at their beautiful faces. Um, they're all natural faces, um, you know, and and we can see this in scripture with kings just wanting more kingdoms. Like we just want to look like what other people did. And we see that with the Israelites. They wanted kings when the Lord's like, you don't want a king. Trust me on that. And they're like, but we want one. We need one. And um, the scriptural truth with that is, you know, you're not going to understand what enough is until you stare into the face of Jesus Christ. And only through him, you're going to understand that his perfect heavenly righteousness is what's going to keep us in the upside down kingdom. Another truth is gated communities are not an American thing. It's a people thing. And in fact, the Lord is the first person to start one. He kicked us out to protect us from what's inside. And yet here we are trying to look back in to see what is what we're missing out on and keeping other people from it as well. Um, consumption and possession is always how we worshiped our idols and we can see that in the book of exodus when with the golden calf i mean we took the riches that god gave us and we molded it into this calf and god hated that for us he hated it and he made us grind that up add water to it and drink it and what do you think happened after that he thinks it's crap he knows our idols are going to hurt us and he doesn't want us to have anything a part of it and this also goes with Acts 17, where we're constantly carving these little idols that don't talk back. But we think they're going to make us happy. They think they look just like us, but they just they can't respond. Um, we know that Jesus Christ is arms and legs, and that Jesus Christ can hug us back. He can give us words of comfort where these idols of our own making cannot. I mean, I just think of Mary in her closet, uh, just wandering through, putting on different outfits, and she's just all alone. Um, but she's honest about it. She's like, these are my friends. Um, confessionals are not just for TV shows. Uh, we have that every day and every moment in Jesus Christ. We don't have to go to a certain place to have an encounter with the Lord. We have that in the risen, Christ, uh, the risen 
Jesus Christ. And then uh, the insider information that they get in confessionals, which I just absolutely love, um, that's scripture. We have this insider information, we have this relationship with the Lord, and we can always go back to it. Um, and we can very clearly see it on screens, but it's harder to identify these truths in ourselves. And so we see these women identifying with different material goods and different designer things, but we do that ourselves. Maybe it's not with goods. We do that with just different labels we put on ourselves. Um, I'm an Episcopalian. I'm a Libra. I'm a number seven or five or whatever. Like we just, we put these labels on ourselves because we just don't think we're enough. And in Christ Jesus, his grace is sufficient. Um, what we learn in housewives is material goods can be stolen, burned up, or confiscated by the IRS. <laughs> no joke, they really can. You will watch them take it away from them. Um, but you are the most precious gift in the world. And that most precious gift in the world was bought with the most precious commodity in the world, and that's the blood of Jesus Christ. And that cannot be taken from you. It cannot be stripped away through any of your faults or mistakes, through your rise and your fall. It is always with you. Another thing to point out with this is, and we said this last week, the best things in this world are not of this world. That is God coming into this world and being with us, loving us, knowing us, and calling us out of it. Uh, the only thing that stays relevant is the Word of God, and that's because He was the same as He was yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And then one of my favorite things about housewives is they go on these like really fancy and big trips, and they have like all these really amazing dinners, and it's so sad because the vacation ends at a certain point. But with Christ and His eternity, like we are with Him together forever, drinking the best wine, eating the best food. We are not worrying about childcare. This is not something that ends. With him, it's forever. Um, and then also, like, we all think we're the star of the show. Every single one of these women is vying to be in the middle, to hold the snowflake. And that's what we do every day in our own lives. We're constantly telling ourselves these stories about ourselves and our goodness. And we're often, like, relegating the Lord to Jesus as my co-pilot. Um, and we're also constantly getting people to behold our own glory. But uh, John 17 has a word about that. It talks about how we can look upon the face of the Lord um, and Jesus Christ. And then finally, with what we can learn from housewives, too, is that the only inheritance that can be squandered is when we don't share the gospel. When we hide that behind our many, and I keep talking about designer goods just because it's so easy to see something physically between ourselves and someone else. Um, what I like about watching the show and loving Jesus is that if you think for one second that he is not interested in your petty drama and your mistakes, you have not met the risen Lord Jesus. Um, but now that we've talked about this garbage and what our mind does with it, how do we, how do we as Christians just not sit on, sit, you know, at the foot of the television throne or the altar? Like, how do we... How do we go forward now? I'm not saying again, go home and watch this. You do not need to. I've already explained and given you all the spoilers for it. But like, how can we apply the, the balm of Jesus Christ, like the goodness of the gospel with our everyday attire? And again, this is not a permission-seeking class. Like, 
we as human beings are always looking for laws to be put on us because we're super good at finding loopholes. We can find a loophole with everything. Um, I'm not here to tell you what to watch, what to listen to, or read or follow. So um, just a couple points that when we engage with culture, how we can use the smoke and mirror of the world as a mirror to ourselves and uh, just really use it as a theological reflection. Um, okay, so number one, just uh, prayerfully discern what you're putting into your homes and your heart because of what will come out of it. You know, pornographic, violent shows are kind of an easy target, but are you understanding your heart's also taking a beating when you're watching a Chip and Joanna Gaines makeover show? I mean, that's messing with our contentment. Uh, we can say no to these, again, pornographic shows, but if we're gonna spend 12 hours watching Hallmark, we're also getting very unrealistic expectations of what relationships should look like. And also, when you're watching these shows, you have to think about, well, what am I delighting in? Am I delighting in their sin? And in turn, I'm sinning in my own. Just weigh out your motivations and your intentions. Um, number two, ask yourself, where is God in this? Like, where is my hope? You know. The Marvel Cinematic Universe is exhilarating, but it's also exhausting. It is, you, sorry guys, spoiler. And when you get to Endgame, Thanos is defeated, but then you realize that there is a whole other army coming out, and it is just, it's exhausting. So, you know, when you look at something like this, you also have to remember that we are watching human beings sitting in a boardroom writing their own genesis to Revelation. So where, you know, thinking about how Captain America, if Christ were in the center of his own heart, would he keep doing this all day? You know, that's his famous line, I could do this all day. But he doesn't have to in Christ Jesus. Um, another thing is to be mindful about the background noise. Um, do I think watching Housewives is going to make you be a part of an IRS scandal? Probably not, but I do think it's going to make you more susceptible to um, petty drama also like engaging or being more numb to backstabbing. So not that you're gonna immediately go out and do it, but you're gonna become more jaded and desensitized to it. And it also can just negatively affect how you have empathy and sympathy for others. Again, I'm not making fun of them, saying you shouldn't watch this again, but I'm just saying that when you go out and you watch these shows, you participate in the culture, just think about these things. Um, Another one too is, what are they normalizing? In every single franchise and in every single season, these women will have a decadent party and invite a tarot card reader. Like that just, that happens. They think it is so fancy and so fun and super like, you know, a little edgy. But you know, scripture tells us like, you absolutely do not engage with that. That is not something you do. So think about that when you're watching it and then if you see it play out in real life. And then, um, you know, how can I use this show to help me learn something more about myself, but also to grow in myself with that? Um, Meredith Brooks, that one right there, has a son called um, Brooks Marks, or Mark Brooks, and it's so easy to make fun of his fashion show because it is just tracksuits that come out and they've got just his name written all down the side of it. And it's so silly. It's just, it looks like a child did it because he is a child. And we laugh at it. But when you, instead of laughing at it, think about like, well, I do that every single day with what God's given me. 
I, the blessings that the Lord has given me, I put my name all over it and say I did it all on my own. So that's just something to think about when you take part in these different shows, these different movies that we're looking at. And um, finally, what I've been convicted about, and my poor husband has to listen to the fighting all the time, and I just fall asleep with it, and it's so soothing, is, um, (laughs) you know, is it easier for me to watch what she's doing with her life instead of thinking about what I need to be doing with my own? And if that's why I'm tuning into this particular show, then maybe I should probably be turning it down. Um, Okay, so back to television evangelism. With taking from these real housewives, you can have these little fun starters, okay? This is how my mom and I have a relationship. We talk about keeping up with the Kardashians and the reality housewives. And now I'm gonna like flip the script on a little bit. So these are very silly ways to talk about the gospel but it's also just kind of fun. Um, and again, we'll use the culture as a connection, not the foundation, as Jesus Christ. So next time you're talking with your friend over a cup of coffee or a glass of wine, you know, why not talk about Teresa flipping over tables? That's pretty shocking. But what's more shocking in that is that God of the universe came down and was born into a barn. I mean, it's just a quick segue. It sounds super silly, super pretentious, and just like almost not genuine, but you're with your friends. You can have these kind of conversations. Or isn't it crazy that Teresa flipped a table over in a really nice restaurant? You know who else flipped over a table? Jesus Christ in the temple. Can you imagine that? And, you know, you can also go into like, have you ever been that frustrated with someone? Have you ever felt so unheard that you just had to shake a table and just freak out? Yes, I have. Um, So relatable. Um, You know, when we're with our friends, we can talk about the IRS busting into this group trip bus as they're in a Botox clinic parking lot. But what's more scandalous than that is that Jesus Christ was crucified for our own sins. Um, The feds busted into that bus because of me. Christ came into this world because of me. So you're just able to turn these like quick little things around just to say like, let's put it back on God and what he has done. Um, Another fun thing to think about is, have any of y'all heard how some moms don't let their daughters watch fairy tales? Um, They'll say like, I don't want those expectations of a man having to to save my daughter and that sort of thing. But isn't that what we want our daughters to think that Christ does for us? Don't we want our sons to know that um, they can be like, they can defend you know, their family and everything, but with the armor of the Lord. So when we try to take, we try to take these stories back from culture and like whitewash them and take them over, like let's just think about what that idol is really crying out about, like what that unknown God is crying out to be saved. So guys, again, do not leave here and go watch The Housewives. Um, If you have, keep partaking in it. But this is meant to be a hearing aid. It's not meant to be a muffler. This is a theological reflection on what the culture is telling us and what we want, what it thinks we want to hear and know about ourselves and turning the script by using scripture. Um, and we can use the gospel as a comb, like a way to like pull out these truths. So when we're left with it, we can just, we're able to delight in it. It's, um, you know, God gave us this earth. He gave us these things to enjoy. And we can enjoy and engage in these, these little irreverent things, but ultimately we have to turn it back to him. Um, yeah, so, sorry y'all, I 
again, I'm a fire hose every time. <laughs> can um, can y'all think of anything in culture that y'all have seen that you could like flip the script with as well? Anything that you want to share with us? Since we got a got a few minutes left. One thing like this week, like all the Boston stuff out of Auburn, like uh-huh. you know, like my goodness, everybody I knew was texting me. I mean, I was sitting in class. I literally came to thirty texts in my car. I thought somebody had died. You know, do y'all know what I'm talking about? We're not talking about it. But, you know, the drama. Yeah. Mention it all, as Bethany would say. (laughs) Keep going. You know, and I don't know. I will tell you something funny, Doug. So I sold a bunch of wallpaper to um, Mimi in Atlanta. Yeah, it was pretty nice. (laughs) Let me tell you. Such a big deal. It is a nice little gig. These houses are fine. Oh, yeah. And we've got to keep up with it. Exhausting. Oh my goodness. But I think also it just worked, you know, um, Charlene and I work in kind of the same industry, and since I'm going in houses and like opening drawers and looking in closets, they look nice. Mm-hmm. But if you open a closet or a drawer or anything like that, we're all the same. We're all a mess. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's yes. She's teaching next week. She's doing it next week. Yeah, I think about like those home edit shows and like those Marie Kondo and they're just like, you know, does this bring me joy? Throw it away. Or the home edit where the houses look beautiful, but it's really just because they've bought more things. Yeah. Like they've just bought more to contain your mess. And with Jesus Christ, he washes us clean of that. We don't have to hold on to these old wineskins. And like, that's what the home edit is just teaching us. Like, no, just keep it. You want it all. And if you don't have that cleaned out, refrigerator then like what are you doing with your life I mean but my husband saw it New Year's Day I was scrubbing out my refrigerator because I saw on TikTok <laughs> like clean out I watch clean talk y'all I don't clean my house but I watch other people clean theirs and that's what I did on New Year's I was just like and I felt so good until my kids went in and got food and it it just destroyed me I was just like I just I just spent so much um Closets instead I mean, of like, work on our lives. Like Stephen was out of town like a week ago. Uh-huh. I watched it from 7 p.m. to 2 a.m. <laughs> mm-hmm. so I, I did too. Why wasn't I resting and getting some sleep? Because it's so good. It is good. But yeah. It just was so cleaning. Yeah. This is just very thank you for yeah. But it's also like, you know, our hearts are trash heaps, but they're also little magpies. Like, we love shiny things. So when we see Emily in Paris in those beautiful and bizarre outfits, we want to keep watching it. And then there's, like, very attractive people. Like, there is no group of friends that all look that good, and we are just looking at them. Talk about, like... I, I know my own heart, and I can't watch it <laughs> because I will redo my entire house to look like a timepiece. And then when the season ends, I'm going to do it all over again. So I was just like, I just can't. I just can't with it. Um, 
But I think what I want to leave y'all with is these words of comfort that we have with, and Advent has showed it to us. So I'm going to put, put some, some pop culture references in it, but it, it all is the same. So um, it's all close. Uh, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for these words of comfort that you can give us. Uh, we are keeping up with the Kardashians and the Joneses, and it is exhausting. But you say, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Uh, Lord, Netflix is telling us not to look up, and getting climate control under control is going to save us. But Lord, we know that God so loved the world, that when he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Uh, Lord, Mary Kondo and the Home Edit tell us to clean up our houses and our lives. But this saying is trustworthy and true and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came in this world to save sinners. And Father, I do not need to watch Squid Games to understand, feel, and see what it's like to be driven into extreme situations of desperation. But your word tells us if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not only ours, but for the sins of this world. Uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. 